Welcome to Britt David Podcast, as Pastor Tim continues his verse-by-verse study of 2 Timothy with a message entitled, The Unashamed Worker, from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14-19. through 19. The Bible says that we believers are to be diligent, to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. When I am presented before God for inspection, I don't want to stand there ashamed. And so Paul tells us how we might be that unashamed worker, according to what we do for the Lord. Here's Pastor Tim. Thank you, Kathy. This morning, one of the verses that I gave to you as we were talking through those issues about the family of God was the verse that we're familiar with in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Oftentimes, when we use that verse, especially in evangelistic situations, we stop with verse number 9. Verse number 10 that follows right on the heels of being saved by grace through faith is, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has prepared before the beginning of the world. That's really where we are, isn't it? We want to be, as his people, we want to be used by him. We want, to, we want our work to be useful and helpful and for him to bless that particular work. We want to be a workman as much as we want to be his workmanship. That kind of is where we are in our passage tonight. In 2 Timothy chapter number 2, though our paragraph begins and our text tonight begins in verse number 14, it's really verse number 15 that is the highlight or the emphasis of this entire passage. Notice what it says. Be diligent, Paul says to Timothy. Be diligent to present yourself, approve to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. If we're going to be a worker, we're going to be his workmanship being used for his purposes, then we want to be the kind of workman that Paul describes for Timothy, that we be a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Too many times people come to the Scriptures and they come to the Scriptures merely as a student. It's important to be a good student, and it's important to be a student who's not ashamed when it comes to the Scriptures. What kind of student is not ashamed? A student who's not ashamed is a student who's diligent in their studies, one who actually studies, not, a, not one like me, one who actually does their homework, you know, who learns, who is prepared. When test time comes, they're ready for it, and they ace the test. That's a student who does not need to be ashamed. But our study does not lead simply to tests, does it? Our study leads to work. It's the kind of degree that you get, if you will, that's, uh, that, is, that is designed to lead a person straight into a job. And God has a job for you. I want to be not only a student who's unashamed, I want to be a worker who's unashamed. Which means then that I must be prepared. It must be when the work is ready that my skill is equal to the task. 
that I've honed those skills and worked on those skills so that I can do what my master, what my boss requires of me to do. To be a worker who is ashamed is a worker whose work is inspected and found lacking. I don't want to be that kind of worker. I want to be the kind of worker that Paul talks about to Timothy, the unashamed worker, one who has been diligent, one who presents himself before God. You know that we will stand before God, right? Give an account both of every idle word and of every deed that's done in the body. There are too many times where believers have the idea that because Christ has died for our sins that we suddenly will no longer stand in judgment before God. It's not the case, is it? I don't have to stand at the great white throne. I don't have to worry about my sins being paid for or or being punished for my sins. That's not what that judgment is for. But I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And there I will give an account of everything that I've done. Some of those things will lead to reward. And some of those things will lead to great loss, shame, embarrassment, the very kind of person that I don't want to be in the first place. So be diligent to be the kind of worker who does not need to be ashamed when that day comes. How do you do that? There are about five things that I want to give to you tonight about the unashamed worker as he presents himself before the Lord. The first thing I would tell you is this. The unashamed worker clarifies. He clarifies. The unashamed worker is the worker who is clear himself in what his mission is. He's clear in what his purpose is. And all of his work and all of his activities stay true to that purpose. It's not that he's sending a mixed message to anybody who's watching to say that he is a workman of one sort while he finds himself doing work of a very different sort. (laughs) I say that I want to be clean and I want to be holy and that I want to be pure. And yet my work is anything but. Those are the kinds of messages that's not clear. They're so ambiguous, in fact, that, that we find ourselves not looking a whole lot different than the world. So the world looks at us and wonders if there's really no difference. Why do I need to be a part of that? Why do I need Christ? I can do those very same things. And so as Paul begins to talk to Timothy about how to be this kind of worker, what he says to him right off the bat in verse number 14 is this, remind them of these things. Remind them of these things. Remind them of purpose. Remind them of job. Remind them of God's activity. Remind them of what God's doing in the world. Those things are important, but when he talks about these things, I think he's talking about something very specific. It's kind of like the therefore. You have to go back and look. What is it that he's been talking about? These things obviously refer to something that he said previously. And he's been talking about this all through chapter number 2. What kind of worker ought we to be? We ought to be a good teacher who instills truth into others. We ought to be a single-minded soldier 
What to be an athlete that, that competes according to the rules. What to be a farmer who takes pride in his work and then is able to do. All of those things that we talked about concerning faithfulness and the basics of the doctrine of the Christian faith. What Paul says to Timothy is, you need to remind them of these things. You need to remind them of basic truths. You need to remind them of who they are in Christ. Whose you are matters. Your family thinks so. When you were born, you took their family name. When you married into that family, you took that family name. From that point forward, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter what you say, you are identified with that family. And that, I, that family identified with you. When you take the name Christ, you take the name Christian, you take his character as well. You take his reputation. People judge him based on who we are and what we do. So we want to be clear. We want to be clear on the things concerning the gospel. We want to be clear on our jobs and our tasks. We want to be so clear that no one makes a mistake concerning who, and more importantly, whose we are. Listen, as you work for the Lord, and you're doing things for Him, <clears throat> you don't have to try to be relevant. You don't have to try to be fresh and up to date. God's word is relevant. It is fresh. It's as fresh as the day that he spoke it. Time has not changed it, not one bit. I don't have to try to mimic my culture. I want to speak into that culture. An unashamed worker is one who is clear and who clarifies the things that he's doing. Remind them of these things. Secondly, then a shame worker not only clarifies, then a shame worker occupies. He occupies. Notice what he says in that very next phrase. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord. Charging them. This word charge is a command, it's an imperative. Paul is telling Timothy, this is something that you must do. You must charge them. What does that mean? It means to, it's a word that literally means to bear witness to. In other words, his testimony is on the line by the job that he does. Your testimony is on the line based on what you do. God's reputation is on the line based on what you do. This is a person who knows very well whom he serves. When he charges them, notice what it says. It says that he charges them before the Lord. So if to charge them means to bear witness to, there's always going to be an element of personal experience that's in there, isn't there? What is your personal experience with the Lord? You have to have that. It's not, it, it's not that you're working on a checkoff list, that you check off the things that you do. What is your relationship with God? You're not doing these things with God sitting in the audience merely as an observer. 
as we're going to see before we finish this, you're working alongside him. You are his fellow worker, the Bible says. This kind of worker who's unashamed is one that knows whom he works for because he's always working in the very presence of God. These lessons that Paul has for Timothy places an emphasis on God's presence. Workmen who are not ashamed are workmen who take their tasks seriously because they're doing those things before the Lord and not simply before men. They're not looking to be patted on the back. They're not looking for financial reward. They're only looking for well done, good and faithful servant. That's it. The place that I occupy as I work has to be in the very presence of God. I'm charging them before the Lord right there in his midst. Let me give you a third. The unashamed worker not only clarifies and occupies, he also applies. He applies. I want to come back to the end of verse number 14 for just a moment. Let's skip down to the end of verse 15. We looked at what that main thrust was. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Then notice this last phrase of verse number 15. Rightly dividing the word of truth. To rightly divide the word of truth. That means that this unashamed worker starts with the scriptures and finishes the job. Sometimes as we go to the scriptures, we read them sometimes like like a checkoff list. I read this chapter, I read this book, I read this section just so I can move on to the next section. But the worker who does not need to be ashamed is reading oftentimes systematically but studying, but he's honing his skills at observation, at interpretation, and at application. Observation means that I'm taking due diligence to study God's Word. I'm observing what I find written here. And you know, as you've read through the Scriptures, oftentimes as you read through something, suddenly it points you back to something you remember reading at another time. The careful observer is the one who goes back and checks all of those places who begins to see those words or see those thoughts or see those activities. He begins to see then that God is the same God of the Old Testament as the New Testament. He's the same God before the flood as he was after the flood. The same God who came in incarnation is the same God who is coming again. This is the God whom we serve. And so we want to observe in the totality of the Word of God what he has to say about God. Be better at your observation. But also be better at your interpretation. Have a good, biblical, the word is hermeneutic. In other words, how do I really interpret these scriptures? 
mentioned creation. There are some who look at the first 11 chapters of Genesis and decide that it's all allegory. And if you believe that the first 11 chapters of Genesis are allegory, then you're going to proceed to interpret those verses that way. If the first 11 chapters are allegory, what does that say about the rest of the book? If you can't trust what God has to say in those first chapters... How can you trust what he says in any of the other chapters? If, if I come to those first 11 chapters and I've already made up my mind <clears throat> that what they teach me in school about the world being billions and billions and billions of years old, then what do I do with six days of creation? Many have taken those six days of creation and said, well, you know, uh, the Bible says with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. For what, though? For that people would repent. Not for creation. He's not saying that God doesn't know how to tell time. That God is somehow slower than we are. If I, if I take on the idea that, that, that God has simply wound up a clock and let it go for billions of years... Why then would I come to the New Testament and suggest that now he wants to be intimately, actively involved in my life when he wasn't actively involved in the creation itself? If I take those evolutionary ideas of Genesis 1 through 11, they're going to follow me all the way through the rest of the Scriptures. If my hermeneutic is that this book is simply a good, moral book, teaching me valuable lessons about life, then no, I'm not going to believe that Jonah was swallowed by a great fish. No, I'm not going to believe that God turned the sun backwards. No, I'm not going to believe that a donkey talked. No, I'm not going to believe that Jesus raised the dead and healed the lame and healed the blind. And if I don't believe that he has done those things, what would ever lead me to believe that he can do anything in my life? Your interpretation matters. Let me give you a good rule. This is my, my, my rule of thumb that I was taught, and it's the same one that I continue to pass down. If the literal sense makes sense, that's probably the sense. <laughs> you know what that means? It means if that's what the Bible says, and that's what the Bible means. I don't have to look for crazy, symbolic interpretations. What's God saying? Listen, if the Bible says that God created the world in six 24-hour periods, then I believe God created the world in six 24-hour periods by the breath of His mouth. If the Bible says that Jonah was swallowed by a great fish, I may not be able to explain that, but I believe that Jonah was swallowed by a great fish and then spit out later on. If the Bible says that Jesus died and three days later came back to life again, I believe Jesus died and three days later came back again. If the Bible says that he's coming again, I believe he's coming again. At a day and an hour that nobody knows. Your observation matters. Get better at it. Your interpretation matters. 
get better at it. But for this unashamed worker, one of those areas that he really needs to pay attention to is application. See, we can can use observation and interpretation simply to fill our minds and fill our brains so that we become biblically the smartest person in the room. I can answer all the Sunday school questions. I can can fill out all all the Bible puzzle books. That's not the point, is it? The point of knowing is doing. The point of hearing is heeding. So the unashamed worker pays attention to the application. He applies what he learns. He is rightly dividing the word of truth. And by application then, for the most part, means then that he is taking that very thing and not only acting on himself, but then he's passing that on to others, just as it talks about earlier in this chapter. I'm devoting those same truths to faithful people who will be able to teach other people also. The unashamed worker finishes the job. He makes application of truth and then helps other people to do the same. Listen, that's not the preacher's job. I mean, it is, but it's not just. It's not the teacher's job. It is, but not just. It's every believer's job. You're to be reading your Bible. You're to be studying your Bible. You're to be learning from your Bible. You're to be living out your Bible. You're to be passing that on to friends and family members and co-workers and students and anybody else that you have those relationships with. The unashamed worker applies what he knows. The unashamed worker clarifies. The unashamed worker occupies. The unashamed worker applies. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim continues his verse-by-verse study of 2 Timothy. Pastor Tim... We'd love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.